Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It OD Podcast and happy Monday. We're continuing with our new series called Day in the Life of Blank. In this series, I'll be interviewing optometrists in various modes of practice, as well as optometry students from various optometry schools to bring you their experiences so that way you can get a glimpse of what a day in their lives look like. Today, I have with me Joseph Scortino. He's a third-year optometry student from SCO. Joseph's originally from New Jersey. He earned his bachelor's degree in biological sciences from Rutgers in 2017, prior to moving to Memphis and starting at SCO in 2018. Joey took a gap year before starting optometry school, where he worked as a preschool teacher. He is currently a student ambassador, and he's also active in various professional clubs, like the Sports Vision Society and the Vision Development Club. Joey, thank you for being my guest today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All righty. So um, before we get started, I um, just want to preface this by saying we're going to be breaking the episode up into three different segments. The first segment is um, pre-optometry related questions, so questions about your undergrad and uh, what you did during your gap year. Second segment will be questions mostly targeting optometry school um, and how you've managed to navigate through that. And then the last segment, um, we're just going to dedicate to questions from listeners that they've sent on Instagram. Okay. Sounds good. All righty. So um, first question here, very basic. What made you pursue um, a career in optometry? That's a great question. I get asked that a lot. Um, For me personally, I mean, I've been wearing glasses since I was like six years old um, and I've got a pretty high prescription. So glasses are a necessity for me. Um, so I've been seeing my personal optometrist back in New Jersey for, for years. Um, and my whole family sees them, you know, aunts, uncles, grandparents, brothers. Um, so we've got a pretty good relationship with him. Um, and just the interactions I've had with him over the years and seeing how he interacts with other patients, I'm really kind of, kind of made me start to consider optometry. And then in college, when I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, um, I decided I want to do something in the medical field. So I was talking to a couple of doctors that I've seen. So I talked to like a dermatologist, my PCP, and of course my optometrist. And he was just over the moon excited that I was even considering optometry. And just the excitement he had for me and for his field made me decide to do optometry. That's awesome. Um, so what made you, you said you didn't really know what you wanted when you um, got into undergrad, which I think uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, majority of people sometimes when they start out in undergrad, they are not really sure what they want to do. Um, so what made you choose your major and do you recommend any specific major for people that are still kind of undecided on what they should major in? Yeah, I mean, I started out as an econ major, actually. I was planning to do business. My dad works in finance, and I was, you know, for the longest time, I was like, oh, I'll just go into finance, too. And so I took some econ courses and some business classes, and I absolutely hated it. I was not having fun. It was hard to study. It was hard to just, you know, find an interest in that kind of stuff. Um, And I'd always enjoyed science courses in high school. Like, I took AP Biology, Physics, like, absolutely love those classes. Um, so that's kind of what led me down that path of taking, you know, having a major of biological sciences. Um, as far as recommendations for specific majors, in my class, we've got kids that are majors in virtually everything. Uh, we've got some business majors, some engineers. 
Um, most of people in optometry school, I would say, are have some sort of science background. Um, that's just because the um, prereq courses kind of overlap with those science majors. Um, but that's kind of why I chose biological sciences because at Rutgers, um, that's kind of like the pre-med track. There's no like set pre-med major. You have to, like you actually have to have a certain, you know, major. Um, so that's why I chose biological sciences because it was like the quote unquote pre-med track where you took pretty much every basic science prereq. So no matter where you're trying to go to school, you would have all those prereqs filled. You mentioned that you have um, classmates that majored in business or different um, uh, majors in undergrad. Mm -hmm. Do you think that majoring in biological sciences kind of gave you a little bit of an edge when you got into optometry school or um, was it a playing field when you got there? That's, that's a good question. Um, I would say it's an, an even playing field because the people that want to you know, that get into optometry are the ones that want to be here, you know, so they still have to go through the same prereqs no matter what. It's just that they took other courses in addition to those prereqs. Um, but I think that everyone is evenly prepared when they get here. Um, but it was helpful for me personally because uh, it, you know, being able to look at something in optometry school and it's like ends up being like the third or fourth time I've been taught this material. It kind of made it a lot easier for me to digest it and I could focus more on other things that I was like kind of learning for the first time. Um, so I think it helped me in that aspect where I was able to kind of focus more on stuff that I was learning as brand new information as opposed to stuff I had already heard before. Yeah, that's definitely advantageous. Um, so um, in terms of involvement in undergrad, um, you mentioned that you were involved with the seeing eye. Um, what mm -hmm. other extracurricular activities or clubs did you participate in? Um, not too many. I wasn't trying to bite off more than I could chew. In, and I kind of helped you that here in optometry school, because that's just the way I am. I really, you know, I'm not great with time management. So I don't like to try and spread myself too thin and end up not being able to, you know, put 100% effort in things that I need to. Um, but as far as seeing, I tried to volunteer a lot. Um, I was a part of Dance Marathon while I was there. Um, I mean, most colleges do something of the sort where, you know, you raise money for children. Yeah. Um, and it, it, that was always so much fun, just raising money and getting to go volunteer at the um, event as well. Um, but I tried to find things that were interesting to me. So I also, I'm a pretty, I wouldn't say avid runner, but a decent runner, <laughs> as good as one can be. Um, so I run a lot and I volunteered at some of the 5Ks at Rutgers. Um, for those 5Ks, you would just register, you donate a toy. So they'd had it around the holidays. So you donate a toy for children um, in need so they can have something um, for the holidays. So I would volunteer at those and kind of like help set things up. Um, so really just trying to find things that were interesting to me because it made it a lot easier to kind of, um, you know, put that effort in and, you know, have fun doing it. Yeah, I think undergrad is the time to just do all the fun things because after that mm -hmm. you kind of get thrown into, you know, studying and yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah, there's a lot of studying. Did you work as a tech at all um, or in an office? So yeah, here and there I did. Um, I did mostly shadowing though. Um, I tried to shadow a lot, as many different types of optometrists as I could find. So I tried to, you know, my personal optometrist is a sole practitioner. Um, I spent most of my time 
shadowing him. Um, but I tried to find other docs. So like I actually, I'm from Northern New Jersey, so I'm not too far from the uh, New York state border. Um, so I actually went into New York state and found a couple of optometrists to shadow there just to kind of get an idea about the differences in scopes of practice, things like that. So I was trying to really kind of broaden my horizon, understand the career better before I actually started optometry school. But as far as working specifically as a tech, no, I didn't work anywhere um, and get paid. I kind of helped out at my optometrist's office doing some tech things here and there, but um, no, I wasn't really a, a formal tech. So would you say that like shadowing helped you a ton in forming, you know, that decision, like this is actually what I wanted to do more so than just knowing that, you know, I like my, what my optometrist does and that's why I wanted to do it, like working side by side. Um, did that kind of solidify your decision? Absolutely. It, it really helped me kind of decide that this is what I want to do. And I, it really was a lot easier to make that decision after shadowing, not just my doctor, but all these other docs, because every single one that I talked to just loved what they were doing. They loved the field. They loved everything about it. They loved helping people work with people. And that's kind of what I was looking for in a career. Awesome. Um, so we're going to circle back to more of the academic side. Um, mm -hmm. So how did you prep for the OAT slash interviews? I know now how they're doing interviews is completely different from what yeah, it's um, different right now. You did, um, but you can just still share your experience. Um, so how did you kind of approach that? Because I know you took a gap year. So did you do your interviews in OAT during that time? Or I'm just going to tell us how um, did you go about that? Yeah, so as far as OAT, I actually took the OAT twice. I got a decent, I think I got like a three, 300 on my first one, which is like the, I think that's what they want to see, like the minimum, maybe, maybe it was a 300. I think it was a 300. So I got a 300 on my first time taking it. Um, and when I was taking that, when I was studying for that one, I was living in uh, a house in college with five other people. Um, so there was always a lot going on. So I was trying, you know, my best to find places to study quietly. Um, and I ended up taking a Kaplan course, one of those live courses, um, you know, where we have a live instructor every now and then. Um, so I took that course for that first time. Um, and that's really how I was studying. I was going through the book, uh, you know, trying to keep up with the material. Um, but there was a lot going on at that time. And it was kind of hard to stay focused um, throughout all of it. Uh, so I ended up getting a 300 on that first one. And the second time I decided to take it again, because I was like, okay, 300 is like, they'll look at my scores, but I want, I want to be a little bit more competitive with my application. So I decided to retake it and I ended up getting a 340 the second time. And I really was just doing practice problems, practice tests more. Uh, and that's really what worked for me was that repetitive practice. Um, kind of helped me get more comfortable with taking the exam and my exam flow on the day of was a lot better that time around. So you didn't do a course for the second time? No, the second time it was all, you know, just me going, I still had the material from the prep course that I took previously, but I was able to go through um, just at my own speed and kind of take things, you know, in the direction that I wanted to take it in. And I, and I think that did help. I mean, it could be that it was, you know, the second time around, I knew what to expect. So it was a little like less nervous for me, but I think it helped me a lot to just kind of go through stuff at my own pace and, you know, how I wanted to direct my studying. 
And that's very encouraging because I know a lot of people um, look at retakes as if like, oh, my, the school is not going to, you know, look at my application the same, but you're an example of, you know, how that worked and, you know, you're doing great. Yeah. At, you know, um, which is mm -hmm. awesome. That's the mindset because the way I look at it, it's, you know, you're someone that see something and sees how you could improve and you take those steps to improve like that's that's a big deal you know you're gonna have to be trying to improve you know you're not going to come to a temperature school and know how to do everything right away so the fact that you're willing to you know take steps to improve even before that i think shows a lot about your character yeah and we've talked about that a lot um a lot of people would send in questions about you know having a rough first semester in college, but then improving, mm -hmm. but you know, your GPA is not gonna um, significantly increase after that, but schools do look at those trends and patterns um, for sure. Yeah, and I was all, I was one of those people too, where I did have a rough, you know, first semester of school. So I, I believe me, I know that it's not easy to get, your GPA can drop at the, you know, as like a, a brick, but it's really hard to get it back up. I understand that, but it's possible, it's doable. Yeah. Um, so since you took a gap year, what was some advice that you'd give someone who is planning for a gap year? How can they um, just maximize it in, you know, work, shadow, study? Um, just kind of tell us what you did and what some what are some advice that you would give someone who is planning for one right now? Um, there's no set way to do a gap year. You know, you can do really whatever you want. But my best advice would be to continue to better yourself with optometry before you get to school. Um, especially if you haven't gotten in anywhere yet, because you can kind of defer and take a gap year. And then, you know, if you've already been accepted, you can defer your acceptance. Um, but my gap year was more because I was waitlisted from places, didn't get in. Um, but definitely kind of taking that time to better yourself with optometry, better understand it. So that means more shadowing. Um, if you can work as a tech, go for it. If you can't, that's okay too, as long as you're, you know, still shadowing the doctors. Cause I, you know, the whole time I was working, I was actually a preschool teacher um, for that year. So I was able to do that and kind of get experience working with kids. So I felt like it made me better, you know, prepared to work in pediatrics. Um, and then, you know, shadowing docs, um, volunteering a lot while I was in, you know, had that year off. Um, there's another thing too, the, what was it? I also ended up taking anatomy and physiology um, at my local community college. Um, that was closer to, to when I started, was gonna start at SEO because it's not required by every school in A&P. Um, and it wasn't required by Rutgers either for my major. So I didn't end up taking it. And I know that it is a class that we take here at SCO. So I was talking to um, Mr. Robertson. He works at admissions at SCO. And he was kind of like, you know, oh, you know, maybe that might help if you take it. And I was like, yeah, okay, why not? But I'm kind of glad that I did because it one kind of laid that groundwork for anatomy and physiology here at SCO. But I was able to kind of like get back into that school mode after being out for a year, you know, because it doesn't seem like a long time, but a year's a long time. And it's, it was nice to kind of be able to get my mindset back on school and kind of like, you know, reset things before I started at SEO. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely think that the hardest thing is getting back into that mentality of, okay, I'm a student now mm -hmm. I have to, you know, study X amount of hours 
a week. Um, so that's great that you were able to just take a few classes at a community college. Yeah. Alrighty, so we're moving along to our next segment of the episode, and that's just optometry school-related questions. Uh, so I'm going to start it off with what made you choose SEO? We all know it's a great optometry program, but I'm still going to ask you, what were some of the reasons um, that made you choose um, to attend SEO ultimately? Yeah, um, you know, every time someone asks me that, I feel like my answer changes because there's there's so many reasons why I, I picked SEO. So it really just depends on the day, like what <laughs> what my answer is. Well, to that. you can disclose all of them. <laughs> um, I guess my number one reason for choosing SEO was the the um, feeling I got when I came to uh, interview and tour the school. Um, I just felt very comfortable while I was there and I felt comfortable throughout the whole process of applying and that's not something I had felt really anywhere else. Uh, I mean, I felt pretty comfortable at some places, but I was like, wow, that's like, I feel really like calm. I feel at ease while I'm here. Like, I didn't feel like I was being grilled during the interview. I didn't feel like I was being, you know, uh, scared away on the tour nothing like that. Um, I just felt like I was welcomed. Um, and for me personally, I felt like that would give me the best chance to succeed and reach my goal. Um, and that's really what I was kind of going for when I was looking and trying to decide between schools. Um, I really wanted to know what place would give me the best opportunities to succeed. Um, and for me, that was SEO. I mean, I found uh, a great group of people that I like to you know, study with and they kind of pushed me to be better too. Um, just really from everything, from the people working in admissions to the um, faculty working to the docs that you work with in the clinic, everybody is there to help you reach your goal. Um, and that's kind of what I was feeling when I was interviewing and touring. And I'm happy to say that's, that's really what it is about here. Awesome. Um, so since you're um, from New Jersey, so you're not really from the South, what was the hardest thing like transitioning from, you know, undergrad from up north to the south. Um, and also the transition from, you know, the undergrad course load to optometry school. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the the geography part of that. Um, the northeast is a lot different than the, you know, the mid-south. Um, so for me personally, I think it's the just the slower, slower pace that's down here. Um, I catch myself a lot, you know, working with patients in the clinic, like I'll be walking them back to our exam room and I'm like walking and then I turn around and they're going a little bit slower and I'm like, oh, I should, I should slow down. I mean, <laughs> let me walk with them because I just, you know, it's just the way it is in the Northeast. You walk fast, you get where you need to be, but that's not how it is down here. So for me personally, trying to, you know, keep my Northeastern habits in check is, <laughs> well, that was one of the harder, I'm still working on it, but uh, that was probably one of the harder, you know, geographic transitions I've had to make. Um, all, it was also kind of weird moving so far from home. Um, that was probably one of the things I was the most nervous about starting at SEO, um, was being so far from home. Cause I went to Rutgers, which was about 40 minutes away from home. So I could drive home on the weekend if I needed to. Um, but now it's, you know, home's 17 hours from Memphis. So that's not a weekend drive. That's, <laughs> that's a week long trip right there. Um, so that was another big change, something I was really nervous about. But, um, you know, being able to, uh, you know, FaceTime my parents and FaceTime family, it made it a lot easier and the adjustment was pretty smooth. 
um, you get used to it pretty quickly, I would say. It didn't take me longer than a couple of weeks to kind of settle in and, you know, feel like this was my new home, which was nice. As far as the transition from undergrad to optometry school, optometry school is a lot different. Um, I know it's, you know, they both have school, you know, it's all schooling, but it really is, it's a different kind of beast. Um, you got a lot more credits you're taking. There's a lot more studying to do. Um, so for me, my biggest transition there was trying to rework how I was studying. Um, I didn't have the best undergrad. Um, you know, I wasn't earning any awards. No one was looking at my GPA saying, well, this guy's a genius. That's not how it was for me. Um, so I knew that how I was studying undergrad wasn't going to be able to, you know, I wasn't going to meet the goals I was setting for myself in uh, optometry school. So I kind of figured out how I was studying in undergrad and was like, all right, cool. We're not going to do any of that in optometry school. So I kind of reworked how I was studying from the ground up. Um, and that was probably the hardest transition for me, but the most beneficial. Um, it really helped me kind of get my optometry career started on a good foot and I could, um, you know, reach the goals I was setting for myself, which was really nice. Awesome. Um, were there any study habits that really worked for you that you'd like to share? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the biggest thing for me is honestly group studying. Um, it's not something I really did or could do in undergrad. All my friends were business majors, so I was the only bio major in, you know, my friend groups. And nobody was looking to go to a library and study, you know, physics with me. They were all like, no, like, get out of here with that. Um, but group studying is a really big part of optometry school. Um, you know, finding a group of people that are also interested in that is really helpful. If it's not some, if it's something that doesn't work for you, that's totally fine too. Um, that's just something that I found was really helpful because everybody's taking the same classes. Everybody, you know, at SCO, you've got your labs, which are broken up into smaller groups, but you also have the um, lectures where you've got 135 students all in the same lecture hall. Uh, not right now, of course, but you know, that's how it used to be, I guess. Um, but the, that is probably the most beneficial is finding a group of people that can help study because just talking through the concepts, talk, talking through the material um, just really helps solidify it. And, you know, it kind of helps you know whether or not you actually understand what you're, what you're learning. Awesome. Yeah. I, I never would have thought that like group studying be like so beneficial because I would feel like a lot of people have that mentality of you know, competition. Mm -hmm. um, but I've heard that from multiple people that, you know, once you're in school, like everyone wants everyone to succeed. And just yeah, yeah, it's no one's trying to see someone not do well. And, you know, that's not what it's about anymore. It's about everybody reaching their goal. And that's one of the great things about group setting and SEO as a whole is I don't get that like overly, because that's how it was an undergrad. It was competitive. It was like, hey, like, yeah. dog eat dog. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing this for you. But no, that's not that's not how it is here. And I, I can't imagine it being like that at any optometry school, really. Yeah, that's refreshing to hear. Yeah. Um, so you're a third year student. So um, you're in the clinics um, mm -hmm. a couple days a week, right? Yes. So what does a typical day look like for you um, in your third year? So on days with clinic, um, usually I get up uh, pretty early, not, not too early. I mean, I, I enjoy sleeping. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we have lectures in the morning currently, um, right now they're all online, but normally we would have them in person at the school. Um, so they usually start around like seven 30, maybe eight o'clock, depending on the day. Um, and then clinic usually starts first call is at 10 30. So we're expected to be there 15 or so minutes early to get our room set up, get everything, you know, situated. 
and kind of review the patients that are scheduled for the day. Um, and then the first call is at 1030. And right now we're seeing about uh, two patients a day because it's kind of staggered for us where, you know, we've got some people coming in in the morning and then a, another group comes in at the in the afternoon just to kind of limit the amount of potential exposures because of COVID. Um, so right now it's about two patients a day, whereas in previous years, I think they were seeing anywhere between three and five patients. So it's slightly reduced, but they're still getting us a good amount of uh, patient exposure, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, we've got clinic from around 10.30 to maybe like 2.30, I would say, once you're done like charting and everything. And then after that, um, I come home and eat, either eat lunch, make a cup of coffee and do some studying. Right now, it's mostly board studying. Um, as we start get closer to exams, it'll start to be some, you know, more class studying. But right now, boards is kind of <laughs> consuming everything. Um, but yeah, usually it's lectures in the mornings, go to clinic, depending on what clinic um, assignment I have for that day too. The way we have our clinic set up is we've got one adult primary care day per week where you're seeing anybody from ages 18 and up. Um, you've got one day of APC, you've got a day of, my day is optical. So I'm in the um, our optical department, um, either helping repair frames or helping patients select um, glasses and lenses, things like that. Um, and then my third day is kind of a alter floating day, I guess you could say, where some days, some weeks I might be in teen clinic, some days I might be in, um, uh, not pediatrics, um, adult primary care, again, um, technology, learning about how, you know, using OCTs and visual fields. Um, so it kind of gives you a little bit more exposure in other areas of our clinic, which is nice on that third day. Um, is there a specific number of patients that SEO promises each student to like kind of, you know, see by the time they graduate? Yeah, I think the number is anywhere between 2,800 on the low end and 3,000 on the upper end. Um, so a, a good amount, a really good amount of exposure. And as far as I know, I don't think we're, you know, on track to get less than, I think we're still on track to get you know, the correct amount of uh, patient exposure, which is really nice. One of the best things about that is we do um, school screenings our second year, um, where we go out to, our goal is to try and screen every student in Shelby County, the county that Memphis is a part of. Um, so our goal is to try and screen every student, every child in Shelby County. Um, so that really helps get those numbers up. We're out there on, during our second year seeing, <laughs> you know, 14, 15 kids a day, you know, trying to, uh, you know, see if there's any visual problems that we can help with. Um, so that really helps there. And we thankfully got to do that my uh, last year before COVID really kind of took hold. Yeah. And that's really early for students to be seeing patients in their second year. So that's yeah. really, that's, awesome. that's really your first exposure to patient care at SEO is during your second year when you go out on these school screenings. I mean, it's just nice to kind of get your feet wet. You're working with a staff doctor the whole time as well. So they're there in case you have any questions, you're not sure what you're seeing because there's definitely going to be some stuff where you're like, I'm, I don't know what's going on, but that's okay. That happens. Um, but yeah, it's really nice to kind of get your feet wet before you start actually seeing patients in the clinic. It kind of helps ease those nerves a lot. Awesome. So um, you've already mentioned a lot of pros uh, of attending SEO. Um, but from a student perspective, and this is really why we're doing this series, is just to kind of get the student perspective of mm -hmm. attending the school. Um, so you mentioned a lot of pros. Are there any cons of attending SEO? 
That's a great question. I usually, and you know, I try to be honest too, because I do get to ask this question. I'm a student ambassador. So I do get this question asked a good amount of times on tours and things like that. Um, I know that class size, uh, our class size being so large can be considered a con. For me personally, it's not, but I'm well aware that to others, it is considered a con. Mm -hmm. um, and I, to I, I can understand that. Um, so I guess that could be, I mean, you could kind of feel like the, um, you know, in lectures, you may not be able to ask your questions because there are so many people, um, at least for me personally, I'm not big on, you know, raising my hand and just asking my question. I just, that's not the way I work. So it can kind of be a little bit challenging in that aspect um, where that larger class size can kind of make it feel like you can't do that. Um, but that's kind of offset by the fact that our professors are so available to us. Um, within your first year, all your first year professors, I'd say 95% of their offices are all in the same area in the building. So you know exactly where to go if you do have a question. So if you do need that personal, you know, some more one-on-one -on -one time, it's available there for you, you know exactly where to go. So while that class size could be considered a con, like I said, it's kind of offset um, with the fact that our professors are really available for us, which is really nice. Awesome. Um, so the last question here in that segment is kind of a two in one. Um, so you're currently studying for boards. So how are you personally prepping for boards? And also um, what is the school doing to kind of help third year students um, prepare for upcoming boards? as well as any advice um, that you would give to current students that are still studying. I know you're still, you know, studying for boards, but what are some things that you think um, are good strategies that have worked for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I can't say that they work yet because I, <laughs> I haven't passed boards, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to say that they work really well. Um, but as far as what I'm doing, I use um, KMK services. Um, it's a pretty, I think most optometry schools in the country use KMK for this. Mm -hmm. um, I got their signature edition of their course, which comes with a couple extra like booster courses and a set schedule um, that tells you like what stuff you should be, should be studying each day. Um, I personally needed that schedule. Like I said, I've got terrible time management skills. Um, so to have something to tell me, hey, like, this is what we're supposed to be doing today. Like we need to be doing this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay, great. I'll do this, this, and this today. Um, really is beneficial for me personally. Um, but that's just because I know myself. I know that if I didn't have that, I'd be kind of like, oh, like, what am I supposed to do today? I don't know. Like, let me just go do this instead. Um, so KMK has been really helpful um, and they break it up. It's not like you're studying for seven hours a day. It's maybe like a couple hours of studying each day. So it's manageable. Um, so you're not feeling overwhelmed really. And you're not feeling like feeling like you're taking on too much information at once, which is really good. Um, my biggest advice would be take plenty of breaks. Um, I know a lot of people will try and sit down and do everything all at once. And they're trying to sit there and study for, you know, six, seven hours at a time. And I just think that you can't retain all that information just by doing that. So I think taking a lot of breaks is helpful, whether you're getting up to make a cup of coffee and getting a glass of water, or taking your dogs on a walk, going for a run, just doing something to take your mind away from the material and come back and look at it again afterwards, I think really helps it stick. Um, so I've been trying to do that. I mean, I'll do a couple of um, online video sections with KMK or read through a couple chapters and then you know, close everything and go take a break and go do something else that's you know, for my benefit and then come back and take a look at it again. So that's probably my biggest 
piece of advice is plenty of breaks really makes a big difference. Awesome. So we are on our very last segment. Um, this kind of flew by, but we have a couple questions that um, listeners just going to send in. Um, so the first question is SEO gets a rep for being one of the most rigorous autometry programs. So how do you keep up with the classes? That's a very good question. Um, is that, are we, is that, are we considered one of the most rigorous programs? I actually, I hadn't heard that before. Um, I, I would have been more intimidated coming to interview here than if I had known that. Um, personally, like as someone who just recently applied, I did not apply to SEO just solely because I was just afraid they're going to like not even look at my application. So I played no, it. No. Um, but in hindsight, I, I regret not applying, but I'm happy with where I'm going. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be, you're going to do fantastic wherever you end up. And that, you know, even if applies to everybody to looking at optometry school, it doesn't matter where you go. You're going to end up being a fantastic doctor. I'm sure. Um, but as far as, I mean, we do have a lot of coursework. I mean, we take 24, you know, 26 hours worth of credits a semester for your first two semesters here. Um, so you're busy. Um, on top of all that, you've got labs, you've got, you know, projects, you've got all these other things um, that you've got going on. Any, any clubs that you're, you know, a member of, you've got that stuff going on as well. So there is a lot going on in optometry school, but I feel like the way SCO has the course load scheduled kind of makes it a lot easier to digest all the material like you sometimes you're taking courses that kind of coincide with one another so studying for one class gets you information for another class um so you're not just you know all over the place you know like how an undergrad you might be taking physics and then psychology and then a math class and then you know you've got all these different classes and you're like none of them are anywhere close to being the same so you know, studying for one doesn't help you at all, like at all studying for another one. Um, but that's not really the case in optometry school. Um, all the classes kind of build off of one another. So that really helps for keeping up with things, um, being able to just kind of jump from one thing and uh, transition pretty easily to studying something else um, really makes it a lot more manageable. It makes it easier to keep up with. Um, and just trying to do, I don't really do, I don't study at least in first and second year, I didn't study every day. Um, that's just not the way that I felt was going to benefit me. Um, I was more of a, you know, a couple weeks, we do exam weeks here. I'm not sure if, you know, anyone's talked about that before where you've got all your exams for the, this is going to sound terrible. Every time I explain to someone, they're like, this sounds horrible. And I promise it's not. It's, you've got all your three times a semester, you've got all your exams during one week. So you might be taking seven classes, right? And that means you've got seven exams in one week. So you might have, you know, two on Monday, one on Tuesday, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it sounds terrible, it but, does. <laughs> but um, it kind of makes it a little bit easier to study and like manage like when you should be studying things because you know exactly when your exams are going to be for that semester. You've got three weeks where everything's blocked out. You don't have lectures during those weeks. You will still have labs, but you won't have lectures. So it's, it's just a little bit easier to kind of keep track of when you should be studying for stuff. So I would take like maybe two or three weeks before our exam weeks, I would start to go through the material pretty lightly. And then the week, two weeks before I go through harder. And then the week before, you know, I'm going through it for the third time by then. And it just kind of makes things stick a little bit easier for me. Um, but I think it's a little bit better than 
you know, not knowing, you know, maybe you'll have one exam a week for the whole semester because that's just how your professors laid things out, um, you know, and as opposed to the traditional way of having exams. So it, it sounds terrible, but I promise it's a lot better than, <laughs> I, I don't think I could go back to taking exams the normal way where you just, whenever the professor felt like it, give an exam. I mean, yeah, the way you talked about it, I would rather have just one bad week or busy week. Yeah, exactly. Like a couple bad weeks in a row. Yeah, exactly. It just, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's like, kind of like a band-aid. You know, you rip it all off at once and then you're like, oh, okay, you know what? It's fine now. And then, you know, three weeks later, another band-aid. It's no big deal, right? Right. Um, the next question here. Um, so class size is relatively large at SEO. How did you find your people? That's that's a good question. Um, that's actually, that's kind of why I liked the larger class size at SEO, because I felt like it gave me a better chance to find my, you know, quote unquote people. Um, for me personally, I just found a group of guys one day that, you know, they were studying in one of the conference rooms at the school. And I was like, hey, is it cool if I studied too? And they were like, sure. And so that's kind of how I ended up finding my people. Um, so it was really nice because I just found a group of guys that also was interested in group studying. We had, you know, the same interests, same, you know, hobbies and stuff. So it was nice that we could all kind of get together and study and then outside of studying, kind of get together and hang out too. Um, so that's really one of the, I think the benefits of that larger class size is you've got 134 other students, you're bound to find someone who shares the same interests as you. Um, SEO does a really good job with um, roommate placing as well. Um, they have their own like roommate portal kind of where you can input like all your information things that you like things that you don't like you know if you like to have pets if you don't like to have pets if you're you know your typical undergrad like um you know roommate application i guess you could call it um so they do a really good job of kind of helping find someone that has similar interests before you even start school um so that's really helpful there as well awesome um, so you're um, a student ambassador and you're also involved in other clubs. So this question is right up your alley. Um, so this um, listener said, I've been a student leader my entire college career and I want to continue to be involved in optometry school. Any tips? Yeah, um, find something you know that you really like. I mean, one of the great things about SEO is we've got so many different clubs and organizations. We've got a, virtually something for everyone. Um, most of them are, of course, I related as is everything optometry school, um, but find one that you, you like is interesting to you and stick with that and work your way up in that organization. Um, you know, just be there to help out for things. That's the biggest thing you could do is just be involved, um, be active in the club. Um, and eventually, you know, you could be holding a position, you know, being president of the club or treasury or secretary, you know, things like that. Um, so I would, my best recommendation would be, you can be active in other clubs, but if the one that interests you the most, go for a leadership position in that one. Um, I think it'll open up doors for you. It'll allow you to kind of network with other doctors, other students. Um, so that's, I think my biggest thing is try and hold a leadership position in one that really interests you the most, something that you're going to have the most fun doing. Awesome. So we're our very last question here, um, and this person said, I'm from the West Coast and SEO is my dream school. What is the social scene like in Memphis? And I feel like you can, um, you've kind of touched on that earlier by just saying how the transition from the Northeast to Memphis was like. 
but what are, what is around you know SEO? Is there anything that you get to do on the weekends? Any fun events that go on? Um, because I'm assuming you don't just like study all the time. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. You you can't just like I said. You can't just study all the time. That's not how you. And I think they they even talk about that when you come to SEO for interviews. They don't want you to just you know have school consumer life. You're that's not what it's about. Um, you're supposed to enjoy your time in optometry. You're supposed to enjoy your life. Um, and that is why I was kind of surprised that, you know, SEO is kind of considered one of the more rigorous programs because that, make that makes it sound like that's it. That's all you I do. I think they're just known to be very selective. Yeah. They choose to interview and bring okay. Um And even like, because I um, had um, Dr. Carey, um, I forgot her last oh, name. Oh, Dr. Leibowitz? Yeah, and yeah. Um, Mike on an episode, and you know, some of the listeners, you know, the comments were like, "Oh, like that was very harsh," because they said, you know, if you score below this, or you have like more than a couple, of, like we're not even gonna look at your application. Mm -hmm. um, which I mean, it, it did sound harsh, but it's also indicative that they're very selective and they only bring on students that you know are up for the challenge and the rigor and they mm -hmm. don't want to bring on students and just kind of set them up for failure. Mm -hmm. well, and, and that, that is part of, they don't, that's, they don't want to see anyone fail, you know, cause a lot of times I, I was kind of worried about this starting optometry school. Uh, I was worried about, you know, you hear students, uh, you know, in med with medical schools about people just getting weeded out, you know, and like, that's a term that you hear all the time is like, they're trying to weed people out and I was worried about that, but that, I guess that is why they might be a little more, you know, selective is because they don't want to weed anyone out. That's not their goal. Their goal is to make good clinicians. Their goal is to make, you know, um, competent doctors, people that are going to be successful and happy with their career. Um, so they don't want to take someone on in, you know, and just for their money, that's not their goal. You know, they want to make sure that someone's going to be able to succeed, um, whether or not, you know, the, the, uh, numbers they're looking at are that in you know indicative of that but that is i mean that's probably why you know it kind of gets that vibe is because they don't want to just take someone on they're not here to just get you know forty thousand dollars out of you and then say all right do whatever they're here to make sure you reach your goal and i think um, it's good that like once you're in you're you're in like they're yeah. gonna do everything they can to keep you um and just kind of help you along that journey and yeah i don't think we didn't lose a single person in my class like it's not like and that's not something I was expecting. Seriously, it's really not something I was expecting. I was for sure, you know, they were like, oh, we don't weed people out. And I was like, okay, we'll see, like, we'll see. But no, that really is, <laughs> that's not their goal, which is something that makes me feel so much more comfortable. Yeah. Um, and as far as the social scene here in Memphis, it's got a fantastic one. Um, honestly, arguably more, I mean, I'm close to New York City from where I'm from. So you've got like that New York social scene, but I'm not, you know, that's a trip and a half to try and make it to the city for, you know, a social event or an evening, you know? Yeah. Um, but Memphis isn't a very big city. Um, you can get anywhere within like 25, 30 minutes, which is nice. Um, but there's something for everyone here, which is great. Um, if you like to go out and, you know, have some drinks with friends, you've got Beale Street right in the uh, center of downtown. Um, so being able to go out on the weekends with friends, we've got some um, social organizations at SCO. Um, one of them is called Omega Delta, um, where they have, you know, three or four um, events a semester where you might pay 50 bucks for your like dues, quote unquote dues, 
um, but that just covers, you know, your um, invitation to the party and any, you get free, you know, drinks at the party as well, which is really nice. Um, and that's open to not just members of the club, every, anybody in the school can go to. So it's not like an exclusive thing. Anybody's welcome to join. If you didn't join for that semester, that's no big deal. You can still go to the events. It's just, you know, you have to pay at the door which, and things like that. So there's like more social things like that. If you like more outdoorsy things, you've got Shelby Farms about 25 minutes away from um, downtown too, which is this massive um, park. They've got like kayaking and paddleboarding lakes there for fishing, boating. Um, there's some walking trails, some hiking trails. Um, there's like, I think it's like in a thousand acre dog park that's out there as well. So it's huge. So I've got two 20 pound dogs that absolutely love to go there because we just let them off. It's all fenced in. We let them off the leash and they're like, see ya, we'll come back in 20 minutes. So they love it there. Um, there's just so much to do, whether it's, you know, like I said, social things, being outdoors, hiking, biking, running. Um, Memphis has everything. Um, so that's one of the things that kind of drew me to Memphis was, you know, there's a little bit of things for everyone. So I could find stuff that I like to do, find some new things that I hadn't tried before. And of course, the food here is good too. You know, that's another big thing. It's food's a big part of this culture and, and it's now something that I've kind of carried with me too, which is great. Yeah, all the comfort food. Mm -hmm. Too much comfort food. All right, Joey. So this was our last question of the episode. Thank you again so much. Yeah, of course. Yesterday. Yeah, thanks for having me. So that is all for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. Um, this is the first of many episodes, so make sure to stay up to date with the podcast by following us on Instagram at keepin.it.od. And again, if you or someone that you know would like to collaborate on an episode, make sure to email me at keepinitodpodcast, all one word, at hotmail.com. Just put collaboration in the subject line so it doesn't get lost or put in the junk mail. And I'll get back to you as soon as I see it so we can plan something out. And we'll see you right back here next week with a brand new episode all about what a day in the life of a fourth year student at SEO looks like. And as always, we'll be keeping it OD. Thank you, guys. <laughs>